up confusion in the soul, Daniel Shah. Miyagi heart empty without you. Why are you doing this to yourself? Doing what? What are you doing? Because, Mr. Miyagi, extreme situations require extreme measures, okay? Ah, Daniel-san, that not sound like you talking. Yeah, well, it is me talking, all right? Look, I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I got problems, okay? And if you're not going to be part of the solution, just don't give me a hard time about it, all right? Okay, you got it? Oh, Mr. Miyagi, look at this. Look at this. Look, look at my sweatshirt. I got some poor guy's blood all over me. Everything you taught me. I, I did the opposite. Everything. I couldn't have been worse. I did everything wrong. I just, I, I feel like your tree. You know, you know, the one that I wrecked? I feel just like that. I feel like I'm, I'm falling apart. I'm Miyagi, show you something. I feel like the whole damn world is coming down on me. And it's my fault. It's all my fault. I did it myself. Everything can hear, Danessa. Just take time. Take patience. Oh, God, I'm sorry, Mr. Miyagi. When I started out, I, I never meant for it to end up the way it did. Sometimes when take trip, better know where trip end. Otherwise, better just stay home. Hey. Hey. Hey, it's budding. Hey, look at that. It's gonna make it, huh? Hey. Make it because I have strong root. Just like you, Danielson. Inside, you have strong root. No need nothing except what inside of you to grow. Understand? Yeah, I do understand. Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macrosunas. How's everybody doing today? What's up, guys? Welcome back. It's been forever. I have time traveling, Peter. Uh, is that do I even call you time traveling Peter anymore? What do I call you Cobra Kai Peter? What's up, man? How you doing? You know, that's that's a that's a good question. Uh I'm not sure. I, I haven't been time traveling Peter for some time, I guess. Uh you know, you, you kinda alluded to it. I've started my own venture. I mean, companion Peter, Cobra Kai Peter? I I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I could be called a number of things now. I, I so. like Cobra Kai Peter, because you know what? It's true. Uh you you've graduated from time traveling Peter to your own empire. Of Cobra Kai, little bastard, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's so well, no, no longer a bastard now, I guess it's, you know. So. It's true, man. You you are the king, man. You man, oh, it's we're gonna get into it, folks. But uh, I have a celebrity on the phone now, man. Little Peter Ooh. over here is freaking. Oh out me, of, yeah, you're you're a freaking <laughs> celebrity, man. You you are a king among the kings of the podcast and as far as i'm concerned man you uh you got your own little empire with the cobra kai's man you got all yeah. the man, it, it's insane to me how you how you have grown in just a couple in like 6 months you went from one podcast to an entire empire of cobra kai it's pretty it's insane and all i can it say is. is how proud i am of you man it's pretty awesome dude I appreciate it, Mike. You know, you being a, a huge Karate Kid fan, I mean, I, I got your blessing. You know, you gave us our first review. You're in the group page and you're active as well. It's kind of crazy, man. It's, it's, it's turned around a little bit, right? You know, here comes Sweep the Leg. I'm posting things back in the day and now it's a little bit of reversal. <laughs> exactly. But, um, 
It's you know when Tom and I, my co-host, when we started the Cobra Kai Companion, we had no idea it'd be anything like this. We we didn't even talk about a group page, nothing. It, it's it really started when we uh, started having cast members come on the show and and start talking to us. Yeah, I mean, you have done how many interviews at this point? At the time of this recording, I have spoken with seventeen people. And only 13 episodes have been released at this time. So I got four that I need to edit. I got to pace myself because I'm running out of people to talk to, man. Uh, because <laughs> when I first started doing a few interviews, uh, Carly, who I call my producer over at Core 10 Parts, she kind of jokingly is like, man, what are you doing? Like uh, interviewing all the cast members? And I was just like, yeah, right. But she, man, she wasn't wrong. I, I've gotten like 13. Let's see. So I've gotten 14 actual cast members. And I've spoken with two people from the original Karate Kid movies. Now, three of which are from this movie that we're talking about today. Uh, one person I've already spoken with, Martin Cove, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, I think a lot of people have heard that interview, but, uh, they're, let me see. I guess the, the very first one was William Christopher Ford, who plays Dennis, uh, in this movie. He's one of the Cobras. And then I have another interview who you know about, I'm, I'm just, um, I'm not going to reveal it quite yet because it's not released. Right. But uh, I have spoken with another person from this third movie, uh, and that was exciting. It speaking, was exciting. Speaking of third movie, we're talking The Karate Kid Part 3 today, son. And That's it. Uh, yep. you, you've already reviewed this movie. However, I have never reviewed this movie. Obviously, I got the number one for the 100th episode, and then I did number two, which was supposedly for my retirement episode. And then we all know how long retirement lasted, what, three months, four months. And then uh, number three uh, is uh, considered, in my eyes, it's my it's my favorite guilty pleasure of all time. So there's a lot of things about part three that is obviously terrible that we're going to talk about. But there's a lot of things that I actually love in this movie. But there's no way I could get Jameson on to talk about this movie without him trashing it the whole entire time, uh, which, is, which is fine. But you... You uh, were trying to find positivity in this movie in your review while Tom was crapping all over it, which is why I had to get you on so we could do some positivity together while we talk about some of the guilty pleasure moments of the episode. And what's really nice is after watching Cobra Kai, going back and watching this, and there's some things that I really can't wait to talk about, and especially with you having just watched this just talking to uh, the people who made this movie. You know, you got three cast members. It'll be nice getting your perspective on things. So I'm really excited to talk about this movie. And uh, it's it's going to be a good time today, sir. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I didn't get a chance to do it, but thank you for having me come on. Uh, yeah, this movie, you know, it's... Uh, obviously, the the way I feel in terms of um, you know, the how much I enjoy these movies, they're they're in sequential order. So I love the first one, love the second one, third one's a big drop off, and the next credit kid is not good like at all. So it's funny that you say that. You know, yes, I I probably like this more than Jameson, but in terms of the quality, this movie is a huge drop off oh, yeah. from the first two. I agree. Uh, but the, but but like you said, there are things to like for sure. Exactly. And uh, before we uh, roll into the review, let's roll into some quick news. Let's do it. I want to know what it feels like. 
All right, so uh, in regards to quick news, uh, getting back to the Cobra Kai empire as you've uh, created, which is really nice, is the fact of your page, your your group page. Why don't you go ahead and tell the folks your group page, the, the super long-ass name you have for it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so anybody that has seen the Cobra Kai show, I got a little too clever, in my opinion, um, with the, the name. You, you know how you uh, we do here. You know, you got Sweep the Leg. I had... Uh, hydrate level four yep i went with something kind of obscure from the show but if you've seen it you know what it's a reference to but it's a little long and i feel like maybe it's harder for people to find uh but the group page is called www period cobra kai period tv amb group um again it's just a reference to the show if you've seen it and i think uh, the ones that you know figure it out they, they think it's kind of clever but i know there's probably people out there trying to find the the, the group page that you know they're not keen into what it's actually called they're just like oh there's the you know that peter and tom guy they probably got a group page trying to find it and can't find it i don't know it's true but um it's yeah it's a lot of super fun time man we we got let me see we got six cobra kai moms whose kids were on the show one of which is dimitri's mom she's also in there uh and also three actresses that were from the show they're also in there oh and some background people too so um yeah uh not only just the background people but we also have a craft member yeah i think he works in food or something and that's that's uh, that's all i know but there might be more how can you forget about nicole brown son I said three actresses from the show. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to forgive yeah. me. I, I've taken some narcotics today for my migraine, so... Oh, you you got to share that. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, Nicole Brown, uh, Aaron Bradley-Danger, who plays Counselor Blatt, she's in there, and also uh, Susan Gallagher, who plays uh, Lynn, the homeless lady. Um, so, yeah. again, all these references, they're going to be... We're going to assume that you guys have seen Cobra Kai. Right, and of course, what's what's the the best part about this is we get all the exclusive stuff because you, uh, Nestor, uh, mm-hmm. who you're you know you're having an awesome conversation with, the dude shared exclusive photo with you, which Cobra Kai Companion, which is the Facebook page, is the easiest way to find the group because there'll be a link for the Facebook group on that Facebook page. So if you haven't liked it, go like that. Companion is obviously spelled with the K, obviously. So go check it out. But yeah, 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 and and also you're gonna be uh, you're you're helping us manage that uh, that page as well, and also um, in the, in the group page. So you know you're you're like uh, like the third member uh, of our of our little team here. It, it, which is cool, man. You know, I I I get to support you after you got to support me all these years. So it's a nice yeah. uh, nice full circle. I like to say, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, reciprocating uh, the love. Exactly. Love Thank you. And this page has all the exclusives to season two. So if you love Cobra Kai season one, you need to join the group Facebook group so you can get all the exclusive crap to part two. Because we get all the photos, we get all the stories, we get all the 
insights. It's pretty freaking amazing. So that is your one-stop shop to get all of season two info, which is pretty sweet, along with your upcoming, who you're going to be interviewing and releasing and all that good stuff. So that's what I really enjoy about the Facebook pages. It's like, reminds me of the STL one where it's small, but it's intimate and that's what makes it better. I'd rather have only 30 people in it and have it be super active and everybody knows each other, everybody's sweet and kind with one another than having a, a 5,000 page where everybody's a bunch of douchebags to each other. That that just mm-hmm. sucks. So that's why, does. that's why your Facebook group page is amazing because it's like, thank you. it's very intimate and you have all the exclusiveness. And what's really awesome is the producer of the show knows about your show i mean Mm -hmm. how amazing is that dude it's pretty amazing um i i don't know if i got to share with you but you mentioned uh vos sanchez who plays nestor um one day on set uh he actually shot me a text he's like dude you know uh the entire production team has heard of your podcast you know i was just chilling just just waiting for filming and uh so somebody was just like hey i heard your interview and he's like which which interview and then they reference something from the interview and he's like oh man yeah that's cobra kai companion so you know he he said that he was under the impression that nobody was all like wait what what's that who's that it sounded like you know people had heard about it and um and ralph you know he mentioned that he remembered taking a picture with me so cobra kai companion is maybe not talked about on set but people are familiar with it on set (laughs) oh man do you know how jealous i am of you (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Why, why don't you uh, humor me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, you know, let's uh, let's cross our fingers. And um, yeah, I asked Voss, you know, when he has a, a chance, you know, to please come back on and, and tell us that story. Because uh, I asked him to call me and he said that he can't until he wraps up. Uh, so he called me and we talked for like 35 minutes and my mind was blown just the way he was telling me. Yeah, his, you know, so. his interview was was legit, man. Uh, he's a fun. he's a fan, man. He's a straight up fan. So, um, and his insights on the entire franchise is pretty amazing, you know. And um, he referenced Crossroad, which you have brought up many times on STL. Yep. So man, he's he's your people's man. He's a super fan, just like you. I know, and it's funny. I uh, I've been wanting to review that show forever. But uh, I constantly always post the ending of that movie because even though Ralph's not playing the guitar, man, he does a fantastic job pr- pretending he does. And that, that just end battle uh, for the soul is just amazing. I love that movie. It's the first movie I ever saw Ralph Macchio swearing. So, <laughs> like, I mean, he, he goes off a little bit in Karate Kid, but, I mean, he, like, legit goes off in Crossroads. And it was a, it was a different take for me to separate of be like, okay, this isn't Daniel LaRusso anymore. This is a new character. And I, and funny enough, I'm not a blues guy, but I love that movie. It is amazing. And it's so hard to find. It's uh, it's a gem. It's like Monster Squad. It's kind of got a cult following, if you will. It's amazing. So I you know you, you, you kind of mentioned it. It is kind of funny to hear him swear, huh? You, you know, like watching Cobra Kai and him dropping, you know, little little vulgarity here and there. Uh, but did you hear the Rose City Comic Con panel? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because th- there's one point he says, like, shit, too, and it was funny as all hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, they were talking about the um, the video for Sweep the Leg, 
you know, and he was saying, like, Billy Zapka called him and was like, hey, you got to do this. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. And then when he saw, like, a like a rough cut of it, he's like, oh, shit, I got to get on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's pretty funny. I just showed Tavi that video because we were, um, there's an announcement coming at the end of this podcast uh, about something coming. But uh, No More Kings, who does uh, Sleep the Leg, does a song from Knight Rider, Michael Jump In, which is pretty sweet. And we've been jamming to them, but uh, while talking, while jamming these tunes, I'm like, "Have you not seen the Sweep the Lake music video?" She's like, "No, just showed her that yesterday." But funny enough, so you failed her. So, you failed her. <laughs> here's what's awesome. So uh, I said, "Hey, I'm I'm doing Karate Kid three. Um, do you want to watch it with me?" Yeah, sure. You know, she loves Karate Kid three, and she after after it got over, she goes, "Dad, can we watch?" my favorite scene from Cobra Kai, which her favorite scene is the uh, Johnny and Miguel sitting down and having the what happened in part one on the beach scene from his perspective because mm-hmm. she loves the line that says, I went over there to have a civil conversation. <laughs> what is your problem? And she busts up laughing every single time. She said it's her diehard favorite scene of Cobra Kai. So we had to watch that scene. It was just, it's kind of funny. And uh, and then, of course, that rolled into Sweep the Leg. And it was like, okay, cool. Now this is this is awesome. So, yeah, it's, it was pretty fun yesterday. That's, um, it, that is also one of my favorite scenes. And I love the sound, uh, the score. Uh, I listen to the Cobra Kai score soundtrack, like, all the time, uh, almost every day. And that track... It's called Johnny's Track that is playing. It, it sounds very bluesy. You know, it's got the guitar. Uh, that's what's playing when he's telling that story to Miguel. And um, yeah, it's just an amazing track. I um, I have had the composers. They've actually said yes to come on the show, but you know, they might be working on season two right now because it's been almost a month uh, since they replied to my email. But I'm hoping to get them on as well because. That's an amazing soundtrack, man. If you like music from the 80s, it's very heavy synthesizers, electric guitars and stuff. Um, it sounds like they grew up in that time. But if you look at pictures, they look like they're around our age. Heck yeah. So, I, I'm, yeah, I'm very curious to see where they got the inspiration and influences from. Good time. So the moral of the story is go check out the Facebook page. So uh, that, that's what I'm going to call for news today, son. So uh, why don't we go ahead and get into our review of The Craddy Kid Part 3. The time has come. When a student must question. I know you don't believe in fighting, but this isn't exactly fighting, you know. Not exactly ping pong either. When a teacher must let go. Yagi always train you, but for tournament, cannot. When a conspiracy is planned. You said that if I beat this LaRusso kid in the All Valley Tournament, that you'd give me 25% of your new dojo. When a trap is set. You know how to front sweep? Uh, not really. Do you know how to sweep? Of course. Ah! Or like me. It's no joke. I need your title. You don't enter, that affects my financial future, Daniel. Get it? You think you can rely on that crane crap? Last time you weren't fighting this. Mr. Miyagi loves you. He has faith in you. This guy wants to break you. Humiliate you. Stomp you into the ground. Yes! I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I got problems, and if you're not going to be part of the solution, don't give me a hard time about it. No, the man must make a choice, and the kid must become a man. You are going to defend. You're getting in that ring. What am I doing? First he suffers, then he suffers some more. Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, a John G. Avelson film. 
The Karate Kid, Part 3. Mr. Miyagi, it's over. It's over. Forget about it. No. All right, sir. So um, history wise, uh, being a kid, obviously I had uh, no idea. Uh, you know, I was born in 79 and this movie came out and let's see, this movie came out in the year of 1989. Fantastic year, of course. And being a kid, I didn't really, I've never thought, hey, this is a bad movie. You know, I'm like, oh, I love this movie because uh, truth be told, Part two for me growing up was always a slow movie. It was never, it was not fast paced. It's a, it's a slow burn, which of course, as an adult, I love Karate Kid part two, but as a kid, it wasn't fast paced. So part three is really fast. So therefore I'm like, I really like part three over part two. So just like everybody else, they always watched part three all the time because it was always on cable, it was always on TV. And as the years got you know, more and more going, you start to realize, oh, man, this, this seems overacting like in this scene, or this seems kind of off and, and things like that. And then you start seeing the hatred (laughs) that this movie gets from other folks. And then, you know, you, as you get older and you watch part two and you're like, wow, 
part two is fantastic. Oh my gosh, how amazing is this movie? And then you watch part three and you're like, oh, okay, I can see why everybody hates it. So it's kind of a movie that has, as a kid, I fell in love with. And then as I've gotten older, I still really love this movie, but for different reasons. But I recognize the fact of why this movie is so hated, if you will. And I just say it's a guilty pleasure because guilty pleasures you can't be judged for. So what's your uh, what's your history with this movie, sir? Well, this this is um, the one that I didn't really grow up with, but I did watch it. I'm very familiar with it. And when I reviewed it for my show last year, there wasn't anything that stuck out. We're like, oh, man, I don't remember that at all. I mean, there were like little details here and there in the story. But for the most part, all the scenes were pretty much the same. Uh, if anything, I understood the dynamics of the characters a little bit better. So having said that, it's funny you say that this is the one that people hate. I feel like you and I are actually in the minority that love two as much as we do. Like two is fantastic. It's amazing. You mentioned it's a slow burn. It's de- it's definitely more of a dramatic movie, right? You're not getting a lot of action like you are uh, in the third one. Most of the action comes towards the end, you know, really with Chosen yep. and um, and Daniel's character, uh, Sato and Migi- um, and Mr. Miyagi. Those, you know, they're older men. They're not going to be fighting all the time. So, you know, you get a bunch of like the old people bickering. Yeah, maybe not even bickering, but I think that's where I don't even want to say it lacks because I think it's still a beautiful story. It takes place in Okinawa and in Hawaii. Two is just amazing because I love Mr. Miyagi and it's a it's an error, not Terminator, but um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part Two, for example. Exactly. Right? From the first movie to the second movie, tonally different. Uh same thing with this. Um I think Karate Kid one and two are close enough that it's you know, they they feel like they were they were almost filmed back to back. They're about two years apart. Yeah, the third it's one, a perfect one two punch. Yeah, you know, as uh, as John the uh, mailman. The mailman. Would say. Yeah. So you know, the third movie, three years later. So it's kind of like, well, was there a lot of people really asking for a part three? And again, like even Mike Barnes, his hair is like you know spiky and slick back. So you get that '90s feel a little bit, and I feel this is where it kind of loses me because I feel like once we got to the 90s, the MTV era, it just it gets really campy. Right. The problem is, especially for for Daniel, is, you know, the Daniel in part two is the exact Daniel from part one who matures in that movie. And, you know, he has the he has the little bit of anger. He has the little bit of, uh, you know, you know, confidence. He's the same identical character. But when you get in part three, there's various scenes that we'll talk about that this is the Daniel from Karate Kid 1 and 2. And then there's various scenes where it's overacting and it's almost like Ralph Macchio doesn't know what this Daniel is supposed to do, even though technically it's six months later. And I think that's the where the huge drop-off comes off is why is Daniel so different in this movie and I'll be honest with you, I love the anger version of Daniel in this movie on various scenes because that's a true teenager. Teenagers go through anger, but there's certain scenes where it's like, that was just, that doesn't, that's not believable. It's overacting. You know, it's like, okay, that's where the guilty pleasure comes in. And there's only certain scenes where I feel like this is the Daniel from one and two. The other times I feel like Ralph Macchio isn't given the direction because the writer didn't even know what the hell to do because he was pissed off. He wanted to do something completely different than this. But the studio was like, we're making this movie with or without you. So he makes this script. Nobody's really happy with it. 
you could tell nobody really wanted to to put 100% in except Pat Morita, of course. So Yeah, I, I think there's parts where um, Ralph actually does do a good job, but you're right. It, it does come down to the writing. This is the first installment where it actually got nominated for a lot of Razzies, including Worst Actor by Ralph Macchio, Worst Script, Worst Movie, Worst Sequel. It's got a lot of Razzie nominations, and so... It's just, oh man, yeah. I don't. I guess it's a cash grab. I mean, there were so many things that were wrong with this particular movie. Um, Terry Silver wasn't even the original bad guy. This was supposed to be Martin Cove's movie. He was the one who was supposed to be playing double sides here. He was going to train Mike Barnes and also Daniel LaRusso. But Martin Cove wasn't able to get out of a TV project that he was a part of. And so that's why he they wrote him... Uh, off to, to Tahiti. And so you know, I, I guess whatever little time he did have, they used him for the Martin Cove right. stuff. But um, I think that's where the movie kind of falters because, you know, he mentions in his interview with us, you know, you don't, uh, you don't like do a Star Wars movie and not include Vader after introducing him, right? You got Martin Cove in the first movie, second movie, it's in Okinawa, third movie, it's back in Reseda. And you see Martin Cove, and then you send him away. <laughs> it's, but you know, um, yeah. Thanks to your show, we we have all the insights that you know. Of course, I never knew that. Yeah, you know, which is awesome. So let's kind of dig into it, man. Because you know, obviously, I made a lot of notes on this let's thing. Let's do it. And, you know, uh, so starting off the movie, um, I want to talk about the introduction. I really, really dig the introduction. Um, one thing with part two, the intro uh, score, uh, Bill Conti. My favorite piece of music in the entire trilogy is the beginning opening sequence, which, of course, you used uh, for all of your reviews, which, of course, when you're like, I'm thinking about getting rid of it. I'm like, don't do that, dude, because that's <laughs> freaking amazing. But I love because the music, some, like for part two, it almost says the Karate Kid part two, you know, and it's like with part three, it almost kind of does the same thing. And I like the certain clips that they pull because they're all clips that you need to know, which is awesome. But what I definitely find funny with Karate Kid 3 is the artwork various shots are all used in Karate Kid 1 and 2 promotional material even though you know like if you were to buy the collector set you only have 1 and 2 the studio decided to get rid of 3 but yet when you open up the blu-ray of part 1 there's Daniel Mr. Miyagi from part 3 sitting on the floor at the end of the tournament which I'm like oh it's kind of funny you guys like to use part 3 material but you don't include it in the set I always find that hilarious yeah, but I do love the beginning of Crease down and out. And, you know, you get to see Pat Johnson call him. And I just the whole opening sequence, I really dig. And him going to meet Terry Silver. I love the introduction to Terry Silver. And of course, he becomes an over top character. But the beginning of this movie is very Karate Kid for me. Uh, I got no complaints. I definitely dig it. It's a great setup. And it really only gets kind of stupid when they show up to the airport, when he's like, okay, my whole thing is revenge and I'm going to take all my time off from work and I'm going to do this. And it's like, boy, you must have really planned this out if you think that all this is going to take place uh, by doing this is going to lead to this. It's going to lead to this. It's going to lead to this, which, of course, it does. But that's kind of where it gets kind of interesting is the the plan, if you will, that he tells, you know, Cove because Cobra Kai never dies. So mm -hmm. what do you think of uh, of our opening and all that good stuff? 
I like the opening. I mean, you mentioned that it's been about six months uh, in between parts uh, two and three. So we see that John Kreese has lost all his students. He's behind on his bills. And you said it, he's down and out right now. You know, he's in a very low point in his life, which, you know, we kind of see mirrored with the Johnny character in Cobra Kai. Uh, so, yeah, we get a lot of exposition in the beginning. Uh, we get the introduction of uh, Terry Silver. And this guy, he's like the ultimate bad guy from the 90s, right? He's got a right. ponytail, slick back. <laughs> he's a terrible businessman, something about plutonium, Um you know, that might that might be one of the references of Back to the Future. I'm not sure. You kind of teased, you know, you texted me yesterday and said that there were some references. Uh, uh, so I'm not sure if you're going to wait for the end. But yeah, yeah, yeah I, I remember it. reviewing. I was just like, plutonium? <laughs> Did they get that from the Libyans or what's going on? But, right, exactly. You know, he's talking about, um, uh, gosh, what, what was he say? Uh, laundering money? No, is that the right word? There's something that he does, but basically he's just a a bad businessman yeah and not like I he's don't not good indicted once a year you know something's going wrong you know something like that yeah 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 so th- this guy he pays people off and you know jurors and stuff it's just you know he's just I-, I guess i don't know cobra kai is just known to be bad people so he's definitely one now i've always liked uh you know thomas c and griffith uh i've actually watched his movies because you know uh excessive force is his uh first movie he did where he's the main star okay. of course he's a cop who plays piano but he gets in trouble a lot because he's an excessive force cop he kicks the hell out of everybody and i got to see his martial arts and his martial arts is fantastic i mean you get to see a little bit in this movie but if you watch excessive force which is probably super super hard to find now but if you get a chance check it out because you get to really see uh, a non-overacting Thomas Ian Griffith just actually being a legit cop who kicks a lot of ass and does it a little hardcore and you get to see how awesome his martial arts is. And then if you want to see him be a villain again, go watch John Carpenter's Vampires where he's the main vampire. Of course, he doesn't do any sort of martial arts, but he's a badass in that movie and he doesn't really overact too much. He's pretty awesome. So I actually have always enjoyed Thomas Ian Griffith. And of course, this is just a funny, over-the-top over performance. But later on, he actually does pretty solid stuff. So if you get a chance, check out Excessive Force. Of course, John Carpenter's Vampires is easy to find now. But if you can find Excessive Force, man, I think you really enjoy that movie. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye out. You know, um, uh, eventually we're going to go back and review movies cast members have been in. So, you know, I'll keep that in mind. Sweet. So, speaking of going home, wait, actually, we did say speaking of going home, but I'm just going to throw that line in there. <laughs> yeah, it's a good segue, sure. <laughs> it's Let's a good make segue. It up. <laughs> so, so, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi, they go home to hell, basically. Uh, they're tearing it apart, and it's it's really cool that we kind of get the throwbacks to part one. We get the neighbor that Daniel talks to where she gives the directions to Mr. Miyagi's place, and then you get uh, you know Daniel's mom back, which is really cool. It's all just for a little bit. This is a nice, fun way of kind of going back to part one. And um, I really, I really like this scene. It's pretty sweet. It's got some sweet moments that the score, of course, kicks ass. And you get to kind of see Pat Morita just kind of crumble as every minute goes on. And one of the things I definitely like is uh, you, when he says, Daniel, Daniel room all finished. I take good care of him. And in the background, you see Daniel smile, but it's it's kind of like a blurry. They don't really show his face too much. But if you really pay attention, just 
the the big smile he has on his face when he says i'll take good care of him i thought was a very sweet moment it's one of the things i really love in the movie um what's your overall thoughts with the story of having their place kind of shut down well i think um it it could be one of those things that maybe they didn't have enough budget to be able to film there, but I think it makes sense. Uh, Randy Heller, who plays Lucille, maybe she was only able to make like a brief appearance, you know. And if that's the case, why, you know, why have the apartments? You know, it it pro it's probably more cost effective just keeping um uh Daniel at the Miyagi's house, you know, just stay. Just stay there, right? They can use the back the backyard right. for the karate. It just, you know, I'm I'm totally fine with it. You know, I wasn't attached to the apartments, more so the outside and the pool, really. Uh, but seeing Lucille was also very nice because we've heard about Uncle Louie from the first movie, and we finally get to see him, even though he's all bandaged up and <laughs> right. you know he's got a cast and all that. But you know, that's Louie's dad, you know, from uh, uh, Cobra Kai. So that's yep. kind of a nice connection as well. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I think it's fine. You know, I um, very much we've seen. Mr. Miyagi's house and backyard from all of the painting and sand of floors and all that. Might as well just use that as the uh, the the set, you know? Right, exactly. And uh, so we have the no Kumiko, you know, uh, line, which of course most people say this is treated better than Ali. And I completely agree that Jessica is written strictly for the, um, you know, the cliff scene and all that but i actually like it's i know most people don't but i'm kind of cool with daniel not just going through a girlfriend every single movie i kind of like the fact that he actually just has a, a friend for once who he doesn't actually i mean he's kind of he's kind of romantically interested but then later when she says i'm not interested he's still like i still want to hang out you know, I enjoy that because I think he's still brokenhearted from, you know, Kumuko. And I actually like that part, but most people hate it, which I, if you say you hate Jessica, that's fine. I'm not going to argue. I get why you do that. But, and I know you said, uh, I think through interviews that Daniel just didn't want to kiss anybody because he was married and that's why they wrote it in like that. But, you know, Jessica doesn't really bother me too much in this movie. What about you? She doesn't bother me really. Like I like Robin Lively. I think she's a you know a great actress. I think she's good in this movie. But I felt she served no purpose to the plot. I mean, you right. you mentioned it, Ralph Macchio. He was married at this time. Might have even already had his um his. I think his daughter is the oldest. But you know, he told the writer he wanted a platonic relationship. And in my opinion, like I get it, Kumiko and him, they just broke up. It didn't need to be a girl because I think a lot of people are like, oh, this is a love interest, but they, but they're not. You know, this um, Jessica, she has a boyfriend, uh, and they talk about that. It could have been, it could have been a male, you know. But the only purpose I saw with her character is the dance scene. Like that's really it. You know, it, it's kind of the catalyst for Daniel making a impulsive punch you know to just some guy a random guy at the dance um other than that you know she's not even the reason that daniel fixes his relationship with miyagi in this movie you know it's daniel right. that does that on his own right so Which i don't know I if want. we need yeah I, I don't think we needed her character i mean i know they wanted pottery for the um for the bonsai trees but 
you didn't you, you could have just ordered a bunch of pots you know what well, i mean what about like, the rock climbing though <laughs> Uh, well, I guess he did need somebody to be there, but again, it didn't need to be a girl where we're just like, why aren't they together? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just yeah. felt, um, I yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so, you know, it, it, it could have been, been a guy differently. That, yeah, it could have been a dude. And it, you know, bring back Freddie Fernandez. You know, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> hey, what is that karate? You know, so let, let's go <laughs> rock climbing together. You know, something like that. Hey, hey I, yeah. If you ever talk to him, why don't you ask him that? If you know, if you ever get a chance to interview that dude, be like, "Hey, do you think you could have come on Karate Kid Three and served the purpose of Jessica and everything would have worked out the same way?" I bet you'll say, "Yeah." Uh, I might have already spoken with him, <laughs> <laughs> but I could oh, shoot him yeah. a text and ask. You know, um, he's he hasn't seen episodes two through ten or t- uh, three to, uh, three through ten. Are you serious? Yeah, of course, guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was just like, oh, you need to finish it because, um, you know, you might see a familiar scene from one of the original movies. He goes, oh, I know. I, I got I got paid for that. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I was trying to be subtle about that. You know, I didn't know you were going to spill the beans. But, hey, that's good. Yeah. That's cool. Well, so. I, don't, I don't remember if you uh, if, if I told you or not. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you yeah, did. Okay. But I was trying to keep it on the down low, man. I don't okay. want to reveal your secrets, son. Well, you know? that that one I'm okay with revealing because he's not in the third movie. So okay, yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough. So um, I actually like the whole Terry Silver going, "Hey, I like that. Oh, I like that, Johnny. I'm gonna use that." I actually, uh, when I walked in uh, from the kitchen, Tabby was doing something, and I started I started mouthing that scene. And she just looked at me and then she rolled her eyes. I'm like, sorry, I can't help it. I love that scene. It's That's the only overacting of this movie that I absolutely love is that scene. It's just so funny to me. It's not meant to be funny, but it is out loud cry laugh. Just, oh, I like that giant. I'm going to use that. Oh, I don't know, dude. I love that part, man. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, I buy it because that's within character. But I like Tabby, man. I, I think it's a little cheesy and I roll my eyes as well. That's that's. <laughs> I, I agree with her there. <laughs> now, if you ever get Ralph Macchio on your show, I'll forever, you know. I'll retire. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love Ralph Macchio, and we have to be careful what we say because we don't want to show any disrespect, but I think it's safe to say that there was some weight gain changes in this movie because when he goes to try to look for uh, Mr. Miyagi's place and he gets out of the car, he sure looked heavier than he did a couple scenes earlier. Now, I'm not sure if that's just bad cinematography or whatever the case may be, but for some reason, they made Daniel look really big in that scene, but his weight fluctuates, man. And I don't know if it's just bad filmmaking or what, but am I the only one who saw this? Um, no, oh, I'm sorry. You kind of ended weird there. I thought you were going to keep talking. Um, no, I, <laughs> sorry. I, no, no, no. I, um, I didn't get the sense that his weight fluctuated in this movie, but it had been three years since the second movie. So just naturally people gain weight as they get older. Right. Once I hit 30, I, I gained like, uh, how much did I gain? It doesn't matter. I, I noticeably gained weight um, in the last matter. five years. Yeah, it doesn't. But uh, I, I know that's a it's a rock, right? The rock? Exactly. Okay, it okay. doesn't matter how that's much right. weight you gain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember some of these STL stuff. But, exactly. Um, you know, because I, I don't know wrestling. You know, I only learn from you. Exactly. Uh, but, but Tom yeah. knows what's up, so. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Tom, Tom would be your guy when it comes to wrestling. But... 
because uh, Ralph Macho, what, what was he, early 20s when he filmed the first movie? Do you uh, remember he, exactly? He was 22 years old when he filmed the first one, and he's 29 when he makes this one. So this is five years later, 27. So this, yeah, the, the man is a, a man now, you know, 27 years old. And also, you know, I was talking about how, um, you know, he's married at this point too. I mentioned that he might have had his daughter. And so kind of naturally and this doesn't happen with every couple but there's that saying that you know when the wife is pregnant the the husband becomes pregnant too you know because you guys are eating together just as often and all that yeah so you know that could be the thing where ralph just you know gained a little weight because maybe they had that baby but it just it comes with old age you know people gain a little weight but you know he kind of does tone up and loses it as he gets uh, even older you know he looks great now yeah, he does. He looks fantastic now. So he, he I was, even told me I look great. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just it, it, I I blame it on the filmmaking because it just because uh, most of the time he looks normal, but that scene where he gets out of the car to try to go get the deed, it just he looked terrible, and he gets on online he gets ripped a lot for that scene, and it's just. I feel bad for him because you know I know that you know. I don't I don't know what the problem is he's not fat I mean he just no. you know yeah he, he just gained a little weight because he's gotten older you know it happens um yeah it's it, it's terrible I mean look Mike Barnes now look he he is not 18 years old anymore or however old he was uh Sean Kane and you know in this movie and you, you look at him as Mike Barnes and you look at the actor now you know, he looks really different. Like, I I have a hard time thinking that that's even the same person sometimes. Well, Thomas C. and Griffin, he's got gray hair all over. He looks oh, way yeah. different. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know, he's, um, I don't know. Well, yeah, he's supposed to be like Ralph's age, right? They're the same age. But, you know, some people, they just. Ralph's older, actually. All right, by no, like uh, a few months, right? Yeah. I think, yeah, I yeah. think Ralph's just older a few months. But you you put those two together, you would think Thomas C. and Griffith is like 10 years older. But, you know, some people, they just. I I don't know what it is, you know, just bad genes or, you know, uh, life comes at you hard sometimes. Maybe maybe one actor smokes and so, you know, he just looks older, you know, from from all that tobacco. Yeah, I don't know. Now, even as a kid, you know, I can respect a storyline about fear. I really can. I think that's fantastic. But, you know, when you go from part two and you're fighting to the death and then you're fighting for points, it just seems weird that chosen is not the bigger foe than Mike Barnes. And I always thought, you know, you should watch Karate Kid and then watch Karate Kid 3 and then watch Karate Kid 2 because it makes more sense when you're fighting to the death that that would mean more than fighting for points. But, you know, again, it's part of the writing. It was kind of thrown together. But I think Mike Barnes, you know, Sean Kanan, he he does a fantastic job. I and mean, we've heard his, his near-death experience stories, things like that. I do have a question, though. You know how in the beginning when he's introduced and he talks about getting ownership of the dojos, right? Yeah, yeah, 50%. Right. So <laughs> be- because he lost, is that deal still in play? I, I doubt it. You know, I-, I-, I don't know what happens with Mike Barnes after, uh, you know, the events of part three, but I've heard of some ideas, you know, but, um, you know, uh, the you know, I think Mike Barnes could be just as bad as Chosen, the problem is, you know, you kind of mentioned it why, you know, you would recommend watching one, three, then two is because everything is restricted within, you know, the confines of a tournament. So you t- you strip the tournament away. I think we could have very much a scene similar 
to uh, Daniel versus Chosen in part two, fight to the death. Because Mike Barnes is like all aggression. You know, that that guy wants to kick Daniel's ass. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, but I, I Good think... Point. Yeah, I think it would still be a fight to the death as well because he's just a bad boy karate. I get the sense like this is the guy that maybe doesn't fight dirty, but he'll do whatever he can to win. Yeah, I hear you. Now, uh, here's something that I, I find will hopefully come up in uh, in season two of Cobra Kai. I actually hope Terry Silver makes an appearance for the simple fact of this is flashbacks because uh, he says that you know, Kreese saved his life. And if we're going to humanize Kreese in season two and make him likable, if you will, or gray, you know, because obviously he's very, uh, he's very black. There's no white to this character. But if we want to add the gray area to him, I think we need to see that him saving the life of Terry Silver, you know, in war. I think that would be something that's, I don't know. I, I hope he makes an appearance just for that. And it was something I was thinking about watching this back with Cobra Kai in my mind of season two is I kind of hope I get a little bit of Terry Silver just to see flashbacks to stuff like that. So I don't know how you feel about that. Mm, I don't know. I People have been asking me as if I know or something. And I, I can see why because, you know, I interact with some of the cast members and stuff. But people keep asking me personally, messaging me and such. Oh, is Mike Barnes coming back? It's like, man, I don't know. I'm not part of the cast. <laughs> it's like, I, I wish I, I, I knew that much. But in my opinion, I don't want Mike Barnes back because we have heard that uh, Crease is going to be in about seven episodes, if not more, you know, maybe a little bit less. But seven is what I heard. Right. If that's the case, you know, bringing back Mike Barnes, Terry Silver is going to take away from what the, the story you're trying to tell with Crease. So that's why I don't want anybody else back. You know, if Mike Barnes comes back, I hope it's, you know, maybe a cameo or maybe it's another reveal at the uh at the season 2 finale. But well, um th- that's where I'm going with with Terry Silver. It's just yeah. a scene, not a, not him in the story, but I want to see the scene of him saving his life. That's kind of like an extended cameo, if you will, is where I'm yeah. going. Well, no. I mean, because both actors are, um, you know, so much older, you know, then, I mean, we're talking about almost 30 years now. I feel like if they do something like that, it's probably going to be two younger actors who look kind of like them, kind of like yeah. what they did with Johnny. Fair so, enough. yeah, if Terry Silver comes back, it's probably going to be a different actor, I, I, I would think, especially if you're talking about, you know, um, Vietnam, you know, that that's back in the 60s. So we're looking at... I can't. I can't math right now. Was that fifty years? Yeah, you know, like so a, a really long time, right? So, um, so I, I feel if you want to, I mean, they're going to humanize them, right? But, but how? I guess is what everybody's thinking. I like your idea, but I think there are other ways. You know, he can have his moments with uh, certain students. You know, maybe, maybe he has like a touching moment with like Bobby or something. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, so maybe we will get a flashback and we'll find some more humanizing qualities uh, to be able to relate to that character. Yeah. Either way, I got full faith. I ain't worried. Oh, me neither. So, me neither. Yeah. So, uh, one thing I did notice was uh, the. Uh, you know, when Mr. Miyagi takes Daniel to show him the bonsai tree and, you know, he starts talking about kata and I like how he says, you know, well, my karate comes from you. He said, one day 
you do karate your own way. And all I could think about is like, that is such a true statement. I'm like, wait till you see what happens with Cobra Kai. Because at the end of Cobra Kai, he opens up, you know, uh, it's funny enough, when I did a rewatch, I hadn't noticed that he was constantly called Mr. LaRusso, like Mr. Miyagi. I guess I don't, I don't know if I just let that slip or whatever, but I was like, he always calls him Mr. LaRusso, which is kind of funny. And then he Who's opens- that, Silver? Yeah. Uh, you know, his student, uh, Johnny's son, what's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Robbie. Yeah, Robbie. Robbie always calls Daniel Mr. LaRusso, you know, like Daniel always called Mr. Miyagi. And I, I just, you know, I kind of figure it's like a, a respect thing, you know? I mean, he yeah. does work for Daniel, and so I don't think they're on the level to be calling each other by the first name. So that, that's kind of just what I figured. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, Mr. Miyagi's right. Daniel is going to make karate his thing, his own thing, which he does. And uh, one of the things I really enjoy in Cobra Kai was seeing the kata scenes all over again because, man... You know, I know you and Tom were bitching about how, oh, this should have been in the first movie. But I don't know, man. I really dig it in this movie. It, uh, you know, it's a lot of people have a problem with the uh, with the thing in part two, uh, you know, the the drums. And I like I love the drums. I think it's badass. But the kata is just you can see everything. Nothing's hidden with the camera. It looks cool when the score hits. It's awesome. And I like it just watching the training, the build up to it. It's very cool, man. I dig it. So I don't know. I guess I'm yeah. one of the only ones that like the whole kata thing. I know you're like, no, oh, I, I should be part I, of it. I like it. But, you know, okay. So um, full disclosure, I don't know anything about martial arts, period. No you know, karate or anything. So I don't know what the purpose of the kata is. I, I feel like it's some sort of regulating breathing. I just feel like that seems like some sort of... Um, technique or whatever it is that you would learn kind of early on, you know, for the foundation or basis of karate. Again, I don't know. So I could be just speaking out of my ass, really. But, you know, <laughs> Ignorance but, is bliss. Yeah. So so that's 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 my problem with the kata because I'm just like, okay, so what what is it really? You know, it's it's practicing, you know, movements and breathing and stuff like that. So that's why like when Daniel uses it, you know, I'm, I'm jumping ahead, obviously, um, in the tournament, I was like, why is Mike Barnes thrown off? Because that's that's one of the problems I have with this movie as well, because Terry Silver has said at least on two occasions, I feel, he's like, you know, uh, he's basically saying that the kata is not going to win him the tournament. Exactly. That That's what I love about it is he says kata is not going to win you any karate. And Mike Barnes, think about it. If Kata is the foundation of karate and Mike Barnes is all about the evil side, you think they're going to teach him that stuff? He, that's why he's confused because he's never seen that stuff before. That's what I like about it. That's in, that's the vibe I got from the moment I saw that was Mike Barnes doesn't know what the hell Daniel is doing because he's never seen that stuff in his life. That's why I love it. So Yeah, I don't know. That's still kind of hard to believe for me because <laughs> the bad boy of karate, it, you would think that he's privy to some – I mean – if he's the bad boy of karate, he's got to know something. But, I mean, I can believe that he can't prepare for it, like defend it, you know, because he's like, wait, wait, what, what, what's going on? Because this is kata. This isn't actual fighting. Um, I don't know. It, it just, that the end just doesn't work for me is all. Don't take you know? away the ending from me, Peter. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Let, let's, uh, let's get back to Silver here. All right. Uh, actually, <laughs> okay, so... Um, let's talk about the new tournament rules because with the new tournament rule, 
equals is we have no money to film another montage scene, so we're going to come up with some <laughs> stupid-ass reason of why you only have to be in one fight. That's what the That's real terrible. tournament rule is. That's true. I, you know, if I was one of the other uh, candidates or contestants or whatever, I, man, I, I'd, I'd be trying to get a petition to to have that change because yeah, that's not I, cool. I boycott, right? Yeah. It's like, what? I, seriously, who thought that in the in the writing room, who thought that was a good idea? Oh, we're going to make it to where Daniel has to fight in one fight. I mean, seriously, that is, even as a kid, I knew that was stupid. I was like, what? I was like, we're not going to get, how, how is that fair? Because why did Johnny have to do it every single year, but Daniel doesn't? What's the yeah. deal? It's, it's, it's a new rule. You know, um, it's funny because John Hurwitz, he he has said on Twitter that it, it just seems like the, the board, the committee, they just play loosey-goosey with the rules because, yeah, every installment, there just seems to be some new change. So I don't know if it's just like new members that keep coming in and changing things. But, um, yeah, it, it is pretty terrible. Daniel gets to just wait for the very last fight to defend his title, you know, which... <laughs> It's not fair at all to anybody else that has to climb up the the ladder to yeah. to get to that point. It it is lame. Now, um, when Daniel decides, you know, he's getting ready uh, for his date, if you will, and he does his little singing thing. I, I do kind of like the break in of Terry Silver, which is kind of fun. And this this scene is Daniel from part one and two, where he's like, you know, uh, I'm not gonna let my karate, you know, destroy your karate. I'm gonna let it go up and smoke. You know, that that whole scene is the Daniel that I know from the first one and two. Um, like when he he's overacts dramatically the whole like reveal of the bonsai store, you know, and they get sick and this could be a bonsai hospital. And I work for free. It's it's real cringeworthy. And it uh, it's I'm like, dude, just tone it down just a little bit. I know you're excited, but it's it's kind of painful to watch. And I just kind of like, OK. I got to get through this scene. I know he's excited, but then I love, you know, the partner and then they bow at each other. I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. You know, at least you ended the terrible scene with something pretty awesome. But the, uh, the scene where he goes to Jessica and he's like, oh, that's cool. We can go Dutch. I got to ask you, Peter, what does he mean by we can go Dutch? I have no idea what the hell that means. Uh, you know, I've heard that expression, but I don't quite understand it myself. (laughs) Yeah, so Darn I'm gonna have to plead ignorance on that one. Sorry, uh, I'm sure we could probably Google it. Uh, but I kind of want to like, just touch on like that scene you're talking about when Terry Silver uh, breaks in. Yeah. I think that scene is shot very well. I you do know, too. He, yeah, he sneaks in. He sees like all the army stuff, and then he tries to leave. Oh, Miyagi shows up, or oh, actually, I think it's Daniel first. He t- he turns to the other exit. Oh, Miyagi's pulling in Correct. with his truck. You know, so I thought that was shot really well. And so they come inside, they talk, and you're like, oh shit, where's, where's Silver go? And he climbed up the chimney. So I thought that was actually done very, very well. But also in my mind, I'm thinking this guy is like a powerful badass. Well, why is he doing the d- dirty work? Why isn't he sending like Dennis and Snake to go, you know, snoop around and stuff? I don't know. Well, but, the thing, um, it's fine. Well, no, it actually makes sense because, you know, why w- you don't want them to screw up. This is an important mission. This is your mission. This isn't their mission. This is your mission. So it make it makes sense to me, and, and you're right. The, the shots of that scene is fantastic. The lighting, I love all the shadows, the way that it hits the newspaper, it hits the faces. Everything in that scene is gold for me. You're right in regards to like the lighting. It's uh, it's fantastic. I love it. It's great. 
Um, that's all how I always took it is like, you're not going to send snake because you know, he's kind of an idiot and Dennis, it's like, he's just as lackey, if you will, with that, you know, with, uh, with Dennis, it, this is his mission. So yeah. that's why he did it. You know, I, I've never really questioned it, but I agree with you. The, the, the lighting in that scene is fantastic. That's one of the, yeah. one it's, of the it's high fine. points of the movie. It, it, it is just one of those things. I'm like, oh, well, why he just send his goons, you know? But yeah, it, it's fine because I'm thinking if, okay, so this movie was originally supposed to be Crease, right? right? I would have wanted Crease in that in that scene, you know? Yeah. But uh, I think the, the thing is because I know that um, Silver is a new character and being introduced. I was just like, well, why don't he just use his uh, goons if he's this rich guy who's got like all these cars and you know um, can have all this pool? But yeah, yeah, I, I just I, I would believe it more if it's Crease, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I like the conference, the first conversation scene uh, with uh, Daniel and Mike Barnes. Very cool. A lot of tension there. Um, in the bonsai th- store. Yeah, when okay. he comes in and he goes, you know. Uh, they don't fight yet. It's just the confrontation about, you know, I need, you know, I need your title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course he's like, and you, you could dream about me slime ball, (laughs) you know, that, that was kind of stupid, but I liked the tension between the very first setup scene. I was like, that's Daniel from part one and two. I definitely dig that. And I really dig the fight. Now it was really awesome hearing the interview, uh, with Dennis, about that fight and hearing how he got hurt and everything. I love that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the first fight in that shop of it's just great when he when Mike Barnes kicks Jessica in the stomach, you're like, oh, my God, none of the other villains have hit a woman before this guy. That's kind of what set Mike Barnes apart. Kind of, I felt is the moment he attacked Jessica was like, okay, this guy's the real deal. Daniel better watch out. And it was great, man. I dig that whole scene. It's fantastic. What do you think of this, the first fight scene we get uh, in the shop? I, yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty cool. You know, um, you mentioned I interviewed uh, the actor who played Dennis. You know, he credits Ralph Macchio for giving him his one and only line. You know, he didn't have a line where he says, uh, you, what is it? You, you go take ahead off. Or, you, you take off. Yeah. So Daniel was supposed to push him first, but Ralph Macchio was like, Hey, John, you know, like, he's got to say something for me to push him back, you know, and so they're like, okay, how about you just say you take off and then Daniel, you know, um, you know, then that's how they start fighting. Um, I do wonder what Sean Cannon thinks about, you know, kicking Jessica. I, I hope we find out what he thinks about that particular scene someday. It, that'd be kind of cool. Um, but uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Chosen hit Kumiko? Uh, in the uh, the, yes. the end of part two, like so, idiot. So you know, yeah. but he, he punches see, her in the freaking face, man. Right, knocks her ass right. out. So never mind. <laughs> Scratch so, what I just said. <laughs> yeah. So um, but yeah, the the kick. If, I mean, I don't know. They're, they're both brutal. But yeah. uh, the, you know, the, the the punch to Kumiko or even the kick to Jessica. But I mean. What I like about the scene is how it's funny, and I know it wasn't meant to be, but this is the first time we've seen somebody toy with Daniel the way Mike Barnes does. You know, where they're fighting, he's like, "Stop that!" Nice, you nice know. kick. Better. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm yeah. gonna kick your ass. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
Now, and then at one point, doesn't he say like, "Hey, stop doing that," you know? When oh, Daniel's right. like, "Right," he punch punches him. him in the face. He's like, "Don't do that," and he's like, <laughs> and he punches him again, and then he's like, "Now I'm gonna kick your ass," you know? Yeah. See, like something like that. It's it's funny because they're about the same build, you know, in Correct. terms of like height and stuff like that. And so, but the way Mike Barnes is playing it, he's playing it like he's, you know, a, a foot taller, you know, and maybe like 50 pounds heavier as well. So <laughs> it's, it's just kind of funny because Daniel just slaps him and he doesn't react. He's like, don't do that. Or yeah, Stop don't doing do that. that. <laughs> now, uh, one of the things I, I noticed even as a kid is when uh, Mike Barnes fights Mr. Miyagi, he only, th- he only throws one punch, but they edit it to make it look like five. He just, he hmm. does one punch to the left and then they show the shot from five different angles so okay interesting yeah. go back and i don't watch know that. i don't know if it's in this scene but you okay so you heard about like the whole um you know the accident that he had with the internal bleeding and Correct. all that yeah do you remember from the interview um with Where Dennis? Was that? Uh, it's when miyagi throws him through the door okay so do you remember hearing who he was almost replaced with brandon lee Brandon Lee, yeah. So I don't know if that was like a well-known fun fact, but I've heard on two different occasions already that that was, um, uh, yeah, that's who it was. And I'm just trying to think like how much different would have it had been, you know, with Brandon, Brandon Lee, you know, just w- w- the whole deal with the crow and all. Like would this had made the movie a little bit better knowing that, you know, Brandon Lee dies after the credit get three. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you if know, he was Mike Barnes. I'm going to have people hate me when I say this. But um, Brandon Lee, for me, is better than Bruce Lee. I'm sorry, folks, but Brandon Lee, rapid fire, so freaking amazing because Brandon Lee always kicked your ass with his mouth. In Showdown in Little Tokyo, he always had a smart-ass remark that he made before he whooped your ass. And Brandon Lee is just freaking phenomenal. He's my favorite martial artist of all time. I know Bruce Lee is a god in everybody's eyes, but for me, it's Brandon Lee. He will always forever be my favorite martial artist. So I know people are going to hate me for it, but the dude was amazing. He had so much charisma. He always kicked your ass before he ever said anything. That's why I love The Rock so much. He always kicked your ass with his words before he ever got in the ring and whooped your ass. So I mean, I, it's kind of like Steven Seagal, too. He he did a lot of that. You know, Steve. he runs his mouth before <laughs> the fights. Uh, hard to kill. He did that. Yeah. You know? So, uh, you know, that that's fine to each their own. I mean, not everyone could be right. That's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good. See, this is why I love you, why I get you on the show. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean, w- without without Bruce, there would be no Brandon. It's true. You know, so. Yes, I know. I know. But that. but that's fine. You know, I, everyone I have has the their most own opinions. love and respect for Bruce Lee and The Last Dragon. I mean, they, they show the much love to him in the movie theater. <laughs> Uh, yeah. watch and enter the dragon oh man dude i love the last dragon man oh good time we gotta do a commentary on that someday man Woo-hoo. i'd be down you know um it's kind of like how both you and i love two so much and there's definitely a majority out there who thinks we're wrong you know i know yeah and um i did get somebody's opinion um on you know because i asked somebody i was just like why do you think people like three uh or at least you know the character of mike barnes like what is it about this movie and the character of mike barnes and the person's like you know what maybe it's because two didn't have any cobra kai members and maybe the first one people just loved cobra kai so much that when they returned with part three and mike barnes being a cobra kai uh, or a a cobra i guess that maybe that's why people enjoy that one so much yeah a villain that you love to hate i guess yeah 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 that kind of makes sense hmm um now, I was mentioning about um, 
Daniel being pissed off. Like when they steal the bonsai trees, I just, it reminds me of like when Daniel gets pissed off in part one about, you know, I've been painting your house, painting your fence, you know, all this stuff. And he's like, what do we do if we come back? You know, and he's like, they stole the trees, you know, and he just starts going off. He's like, Mr. Meow, you can't be so damn passive. And he takes off, you know, I really enjoy that because it's the feisty Daniel from the first movie. And it's, it's just done perfectly just like how Daniel would be from the first two movies. And it's also, you know, in part two, Daniel didn't really get pissed off at all. He was really angry in part one and he was pretty calm in part two. And then this one, he kind of gets his anger back. And a lot of people have problems with that because, well, why is Daniel so angry in this one? But I kind of, you know, crack it up to, you know, teenagers when they, when they're going through something that, you know, just kind of hits them out of nowhere and it's really difficult to deal with that anger, you know, comes out. And as a parent, you have to deal with that. And it kind of seems one day they're fine. And then the next day they just, they just turn to the worst. And it's like, what happened? What was the event that did it? And I guess as a kid, I always related to Daniel when he was angry like that. There's other times where in the movie he gets angry and it's kind of overacting and it's not believable, but I love the, the Daniel that's angry during the phone conversation about when he punches the guy in the nose He's like, I want to talk to him now, damn it. And then this scene. These are my two favorite scenes where Daniel gets angry. The one later on where he breaks Mr. Miyagi's heart is, is a very good emotional scene, but it's just heartbreaking to watch. That's, it is. Yeah. But, yeah, it is. Um, you know, I actually completely forgot that I also uh, interviewed Gabriel Jarrett, who played the guy who gets his nose punched, yep. because it, it, you know it wasn't for Karate Kid or Cobra Kai, so uh, that was just a fun tidbit that I found out while I interviewed him. And you know, he credits, um, yeah, well, Ralph Macho was just very kind to him on the set and stuff like that, because apparently he was extremely sick uh, during the filming of his scenes, and yeah. he was saying that um, I don't, I don't remember if he said how many takes that they did for like that fight but he had to keep falling down and hitting the mark every single time 40 i think it was 48 if i remember correctly oh wow so you know nonetheless he was like black and blue basically yeah. at the end of the night he was yeah. just bruised up badly he had huge bruises i because I, I recently uh listened to that because i re-listened to your cry kid 3 episode i think like uh two weeks ago and i re-listened okay. to the interview i think it was 48 if i remember right and uh it's crazy yeah crazy and and I also love Daniel pissed off at the bottom of the uh, of the cliff. I hate this guy. You know, I'm such a jackass. <laughs> Pull us up. You know, you're one heavy wimp, Daniel. You know, I love that scene, even though it's you know I heard all the stories about how it looks like crap and everything, but I dig the scene itself of Daniel just so pissed off. And here's one thing that maybe you can explain to me that I've never understood. So Mr. Miyagi doesn't want Daniel to fight. Uh, because it's not honorable, right? Because it's just for a trophy. I get that. It makes perfect sense. Daniel doesn't understand it first, and then he does, and he destroys the application. So he's at the bottom of the cliff. It's life or death, and he has to sign the application, right? Yeah. And he goes and tells Mr. Miyagi how much he screwed up. He's sorry what happened in the tree. He's like, I had no choice. I had to sign it. I can't do anything unless you train me. Mr. Miyagi says, I won't train you because it's a tournament. This is the only time that I've ever disagreed with Mr. Miyagi because this time Daniel is asking because he had to do it to save his life, not to defend a trophy. 
Why do you think Mr. Miyagi told him no? And I know it's to set up the story and all the BS that happens later on. But just thinking realistically, why do you think Mr. Miyagi told him no? Because Daniel just was trying to save his life. Um, it's it's a really hard question for me to answer because I can't see it happening in real life. Like I feel Mr. Miyagi would help him because the alternative would be to seek somebody else out. And I feel like their relationship is, look, Mr. Miyagi told Lucille that he was going to take care of him. This isn't taking care of him. You know, um, you, you mentioned it. This is just to drive the plot forward. I feel it's it's really weird because there's points in this movie where the writing is good, but then something happens later on where you're like, wait, no, well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because I think early on, because, you know, I just did a rewatch like you mentioned. Um, I did the, the live watch in the group. But the... Uh, what was it uh, early in the movie? Daniel even mentions that it just needs his signature, but for a good chunk of it, he just wants Miyagi to sign off. I, I feel is to get his blessing to make sure that they're both on the same page, kind of deal, right? And so when Daniel is like at the bottom of the cauldron, it, he goes goes ahead and signs it because that's all that was needed was just his signature. Um, I yeah, I I don't know why Miyagi is like standing his ground and is like, no, I'm not gonna teach you. Because clearly Daniel needs it. It makes sense why it it could be something like, all right, just this one last time, please. I, you know, I got entered. But, you know, I think in our review, Tom even mentioned, like, why didn't he just go to the board and the committee and stuff? Like, well, that's all fine and all, but it wouldn't, you know, make for a fun movie. Right. I mean, realistically, the Cobra Kai would just kill Daniel and Mr. Miyagi after the tournament. You know, because they've already ripped them off. What's to stop them from getting a shotgun and blowing their brains out? So, you know, uh, but that's not a fun way to end the movie. So, you know, you, you, yeah. can't, you can't think realistically, I guess. But uh, maybe it's the the only mistake Mr. Miyagi makes, you know, is he turns Daniel down and it's the beginning of Daniel's, you know, turn to the dark side, if you will. Um, yeah, it's it's tough because we're talking about 1989. You know, the the first two movies were written very very well. Yep. Um, I mean, it's five years since the first movie, so at this point, you know, perhaps the writer just wasn't giving it his all. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe it wasn't his 150 percent, and he was only putting in 100. Oh, he he's admitted <laughs> yeah. it that he okay. wrote he wrote it half fast. I mean, you know when uh. When I did my 100th episode and Zapka was on, he's like, you know, number three just wasn't very good because nobody had their heart into it, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's true. And it's it's unfortunate. And I get – that's why it's a guilty pleasure for me because I know it's a bad movie. But I love this series so much. And it's too bad I can't say this is my favorite trilogy of all time. You know how terrible that is for me to say because I have to be like, well, yeah, Batman's my favorite trilogy of all time. The Dark Knight trilogy is my favorite trilogy. I would love to say it's the Karate Kid trilogy. But can I really do that without, you know, somebody kicking my ass because part three is included in that trilogy? No, and you can still say that. I, I thought you were about to throw in, uh, you know, because there's the next Karate Kid. But to be fair, this is the Daniel LaRusso saga. You know, Correct. it is a trilogy. Yeah. So, no, I, I own it. You know, you, you love all three movies, just own it. It's, you know, you can say that. Yeah, but, you know, it, The Karate Kid 3 is, has gotten further down my list as the years have gone on, you know, and, and 2 two used to be at the bottom and has, has worked its way up. You know, it used to be in, like, my top 200, and now it's, like, in my top 20, you know? It's just, mm -hmm. you know, number, number 2 is the older I get, the more I love it. 
because everything's perfect in that movie. It just it's the same Daniel, same Mr. Miyagi. It's just flip flop. It's Mr. Miyagi's story. It's not Daniel's story. And, you know, yeah, it's not as action packed. But you know what? That ice breaking scene is the greatest scene in all of the Karate Kid saga. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, yeah. It, it, like, how do you even come up with something like that? Dude, you know, it's crazy. Sato's face is oh, uh, Sato. The moment Daniel starts starts that, he's like, "I lost. I know exactly what he's doing." His face is like, "Damn it! Look, he's doing it. He's gonna break all ice." You know, th- that's the best part of that. It's just Sato's face. It's fantastic. Oh, love the great ice scene. scene. So, um, so yeah, Miyagi won't train him. That's kind of something I want to talk about. But I do love the train, though. You know, when he's like, for tournament, cannot. And then the train goes by, kind of like that really bad, you know, bad sound you hear in cartoons. I've always found that humorous. I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but there's a train that rolls by when he says, for tournament, I cannot train you. And then the train whistle goes by and it sounds like, Oh, you know uh, no, no. I, I thought you were talking about the point where like um, the the cobras drive off and do like a donut and almost hit the hit the train. Yeah, no, it's the other one where he's asking Miss Miyagi. You know, I don't have a stand. I don't have a chance against this guy unless you train me. Miyagi always train you, but for tournament cannot. And then the train rolls right. by and the the horn goes off and goes and it, it's just this real funny sound of like like a cartoon sound of when things go terrible, you know. You have to go back and check it out. So, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Um, one of my uh, favorite mo- po- points because I laugh every single time is when Daniel's like, "Hey, can you uh, teach me how to sweep?" Yeah. Like, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Brings out a broom. I love it. I love that scene. So training with silver. Um, I've actually, I've always, in, I don't know why, I've actually liked the the training with silver because you know it is seeing the good guy go to the dark side. And I don't know. I think it's shot well. I think it's done well. There's not really any overacting done. It's like Daniel's like, why do I got to do it with this thing? You know, and uh, of course it builds up to, you know, the the foot powder. But the uh, I don't know. How, how do you feel about the the, the training scenes with the silver? Um, I like it. You know, it's the first time we see Daniel in a Cobra uh, Cobra Kai gi. You know, that's that's kind of interesting. You eat the big cobra on the on his back. Yeah. Uh, but what I like about it is because I mean, it's shot well. You know, Thomas Ian Griffith isn't dialed up to a hundred. Right. Um. You know, this is where he's gonna finally inflict pain on Daniel physically. Yeah. And I like how it's set up where Daniel thinks that he's going to, um, I forget what he was actually gonna be kind of like hitting and punching at punching but then okay and then silver walks him over to the boards but you see daniel keep looking back like what but but that's softer you know like ralph macho does it yeah it's very subtle it's not played for laughs right but it's kind of funny you know because daniel's like wait what about the punching bag it's you know it's softer but now we're looking at beams and boards you know metal joints and stuff like that it's 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 pretty funny yeah you you know, you think you can win with that crane crap? I did pretty good with the last time. Well, last time you weren't fighting this, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, it's good. It flips the board back and it's Mike Barnes' face. I like it. Yeah, I actually, it, it's a lot of tension in that scene. It's one of the scenes I really enjoy in the film is that. If I, you know, look back at like my top five scenes, that's one of them because there's a lot of tension in that scene. It reminds me a lot of Karate Kid 1 and 2 is it's not played for laughs. You can't really find anything bad in the scene that's laughable you know, either on purpose or intentional. It's just, it's just a really good scene. And, mm-hmm. um, so let's talk about, uh, 
the uh, the dance club scene. So uh, the live music, you know, the soundtrack is definitely the weakest of the two. Uh, the only good song I like on this soundtrack, I do like High Wire. I think it's a great song. You hear it live, but Out for the Count is fantastic, which is on the soundtrack, and they play it in the background after Daniel breaks his nose and he runs out. That's when you hear that song. It's awesome. But uh, the dance scene, I, I like this scene. It, it's fun, and it's kind of the, the moment that Daniel snaps and realizes he's done everything wrong. And, uh, you know, your boy... He shows up and you can never tell the guy was sick. I mean, even to this day, hearing that story, and I I watched it closely, the guy was so solid in that scene. Yeah, he was good. And uh, how do you feel about the whole breaking of the nose? I mean, I was kind of shocked when I was a kid. I saw it for the first time. I was like, Daniel just broke somebody's nose. Yeah, I mean, it's set up well, but it's still hard for me to believe that Daniel's that impulsive. But, you know, he has been training. Um, I don't know. I, I Again, I'm just I'm not a fan of the the Jessica character. And, you know, they go, they go dancing. I don't know. I do, do you go out dancing with your lady friends if they have a boyfriend? You know, there's that. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe it shouldn't have been at a club. You know, it could have been somewhere else. Um, and you know, the, the, the whole deal with the Gabriel Jarrett, you know, he's like, oh, where's that guy? You know, yeah, you know, he, he owes me money. I, I just thought it was cheesy. You yeah. Know? So it, it's fine because you're right. You, we've never seen Daniel strike first, strike hard. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it, it's kind of, it gives you pause a little bit when that happens. Yeah. That maybe uh, that's why I like it. It's just, it's shocking to me, you know? It is. He gets blood on himself. You know, he goes to Miyagi. He's like, oh my God, you know, look, look what I did here. And, and all of that, you know, he's really losing control, right? Getting a little off balance a little. Yeah. I think the next scene is probably in my in my top five favorite Miyagi and Daniel moments is is the whole Daniel's breaking down and and telling him, you know, you know, everything you taught me, I did everything wrong. And he almost starts crying. I mean, and his his voice is cracking because he almost wants to cry. And Mr. Miyagi is just like He's like, I, I knew it, but you know what? Come out, come out here with me. And he talks about how the tree is strong because it has strong roots, you know? And just the look on Daniel's face as he looks down and it's like he kind of gets this revelation of like, you know what? It's true. You know, I am strong. I don't need this stuff. You know, the, the way the score is, it's one of my all-time favorite Miyagi and Daniel moments is just, I you screwed up, but that's okay. We all screw up you know, you're going to learn from it because you have strong roots. You know, I just, I love that scene, man. It's really good stuff. I don't know how you feel about it, but. It, it, I mean, no, it, it, it's a great scene. I, I think this movie proves something. Daniel and Miyagi, they are definitely not one and the same, but they go well, so well together. Anytime they're apart, that's when Daniel loses himself. So Miyagi, yeah. they, they very much complete each other. Um, but uh, I, 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 yeah, the. It breaks my heart, you know, like to see Daniel slam the the door on Miyagi's face earlier in the movie and all that. And I like it because it's not something that we're used to. And that might be some of the other reasons that this movie turns people off because of those moments. But again, like you put Daniel in that situation, that's that's just how it goes you know and- I'll, I'll be honest it's it's probably my favorite scene of the film is that confrontation scene because emotionally there's so much in that scene and they they kill that scene it is so mm-hmm. good to, how he's holding back the tears 
and he's just going off and then afterwards he gets so pissed off at himself for what he did and I wonder if they're going to call back to that in, in Cobra Kai if you know if his student is going to slam the door in his face and he's going to remember I did that to Mr. Miyagi now I know what it feels like I wonder if yeah. that scene will come into play because the writers clearly love Karate Kid 3 and they've referenced Karate Kid 3 a lot in season 1 and I think they're going to do more in season in season 2 and I I assume, after I watched that scene I was like I bet you they're going to use this scene somehow some way in season 2 and it's honestly Daniel's a, a total dick but she, but the scene itself is fantastic because there's so much emotion in that scene I it I love it man I really do it's one of the reasons why I I have a, this movie has a special place in my heart as a scene like that because it's just so raw, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great emotional scene. Um, you know, you you could be right. Maybe they do love it. I, I this is just my opinion, but I mean, I like the fact that they're not completely ignoring that because, well, first off, that's the last time we see Miyagi and Daniel. But also with Kreese coming in season two, he's in the third movie. Yeah. So um, I feel that's why it's part of the canon. But um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they what they call back to. But the way it ended, you know, tournament uh, with the tournament with Robbie and Miguel. I have a hard time seeing them trying to write in like a blow up between Daniel and Robbie. Okay. I mean, they they could because the season one was over like a few months. You know, we don't know what the time frame is going to be for season two, obviously. Um, but um, again, I feel that's something that may not be needed. But, you know, if it's written correct, uh, written well enough, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, you. I try not to speculate too much because like, we can say all the things we want of what we would like to see in season two is going to be completely different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I That's why you. I like, yeah, that's why when people ask me questions about stuff like that, I was like, man, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, cause I, I want to sound smart if I get it right, right? But if I keep guessing on like all these different things, I'd be completely wrong. So um, and, I don't know. But it, it'll be fun just to kind of play like, oh, okay, season two is coming. Let's speculate based off of like the trailers. Right. So that I'll do. Right, exactly. Uh, now, of course, the fight with Miyagi versus Kreese and Silver is fantastic. I love the score. Just, yeah. <laughs> it, it, that's a pure gold scene. I mean, uh, if I think of top five Karate Kid moments, number one for me is the ice break scene. Number two is the uh, the montage of, uh, of, you know, of, of the tournament. And number three would be Miyagi taking on Silver and Kreese. Uh, hands down because I love this scene. And what I love is Mike Barnes. He's scared of Mr. Miyagi because number one, after he throws his ass through the door, what I love is after Mr. Miyagi leaves, he just like looks up at him. Like, you're not going to hurt me again. Are you? Yeah. He, he's just like leaning up against the wall. Like, no, no, no I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm sitting down. Uh, it's a good scene. Uh, you, you know, top five moments that that might be a feature bonus episode. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it, top five, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this isn't not that it's not memorable for me. I like it, you know. I like the whole like, uh, you know, Crease and uh, Silver bow to each other, like, all right, let's do this. And you know, they lose, and then Mister Miyagi just throws it back in their face. Whoa, whoa, yeah. So I, I, I think it's funny. I think it still works for me. That's cool. But, we can't all be right. Yeah. It's okay. No, no, that's right. But but, but my thing is like. Like, dude, you guys just lost, and Terry Silver is like laughing maniacally, you know, while being covered with paint. <laughs> I'm just true. like, all right, dude, it, you're just, you're 
on something, you know. Yeah. I, I think that did they mention some sort of like party with like Coke and stuff like that? I probably I mean it's true. I, I he he yeah, he does go crazy at the end, but he's just he's kind of broke at that point. He just realized he got his ass kicked by an old guy. So uh he's gotta he's gotta save face at some point. So then we get the training montage. Now this the score, here's what I love about the score in this scene. This piece of music is fantastic because it's the typical training uh, song that they play. But then they do, uh, Bill Conti does this throwback scene. It's it's right at the moment when they uh, it switches from them on the beach to them doing the breathing technique. And then they show the bonsai tree. That piece of music in there is just fantastic. It's like two pieces of music from all the movies that he put together. There's something about it uh, in that like, 10 seconds that I just love. And of course, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'll have to send you the piece of music and tell you, okay, at this moment in time, this is what I'm talking about. But the scene itself takes place is right as Mike Barnes is breaking the brick and then Daniel switches from the beach to him uh, breathing, uh, doing the hands from part two. That piece of music is just, I love it. It just gives me chills every time I hear it. So it's good stuff. Yeah. It's so weird that... um... You know, Apple Music and also e- even on YouTube, it's a little bit hard to find like a playlist of like the score and and the soundtrack from three. I feel like it's just one of those things you're just going to have to find the actual track listing and create it yourself or something. Yeah. And of course, I have the soundtracks and, you know, I got to hook you up. So. Okay. Got, All right. You got to remind me to do that after this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I keep forgetting. It's true. Uh, so the tournament, sir. Um, okay. So the tournament. Uh, is okay. It's all right. Not a big deal. It's short. Yeah, yeah short. Uh, but the ending of Miyagi yelling at Daniel is is phenomenal. I love it. And and Mike Barnes going off, just just going off on him and and dissing Mister Miyagi and just I don't know, man. I you karate just, trash. Yeah, you karate shit. <laughs> Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta put in that clip, man. It's a good it's a good scene. I am that. It's probably how I'm gonna open the show, actually. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I I love love. I, honestly, you know, I had said that the uh, the blow up scene was my favorite, but if I'm being honest, it really is this scene of Mr. Miyagi. Oi, you know your karate, Daniel son. You must focus. Best karate still inside. Now time let out. And then Mike Barnes going off. And the way the music, the score is of Mike Barnes going off on Daniel and it builds and it builds. It's just oh, so, so good, man. The the tournament scene sucks, but that scene is is pure gold for me. So it's good. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's a great moment. I mean, that, that's what I appreciated about these first three movies. Bill Conti returns, John Alvelton returns, Mark Kamen returns. So, I mean, those three uh that formula it works and so um yeah if if it didn't i'd be pretty disappointed it's like wow you got the same you know three big people that that returned you know so it still gives me the feels and yeah it's a great moment the only problem i have with the tournament is that stupid new rule they implemented you know so we don't get an actual tournament it's just like a fight yeah (laughs) yeah so yeah it just it just goes too quickly and you know um i'm fine if you don't want to give us a fight montage but Let's, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I mean, throw Dennis and Snake in there. Let's get three fights, you know, work it up to Mike Barnes. I don't know. Yeah. yeah well, just something. It's just to, to please the story of win a point, lose a point. I mean, they, they never did that crap before. It's just, it's, 
it's convenience, you know, it's a trope, if you will. And it's, it's stupid, but it's so Daniel can get the pain that he needs, you know, but uh, whatever. It, it all it, it's leads- a new sweep to leg, you know, he's being instructed to toy with them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so sir, I think, uh, I think we should have two ratings for this one as okay. the, uh, as the guilty pleasure rating, you know, so we can give it as high as a rating. And obviously, as you know, the scores from a plus to F minus, uh, on the show, I know you don't do the ratings anymore. It's okay. I <laughs> uh, and then obviously as an actual movie. So obviously as an actual movie, it's going to get a pretty terrible score. But if we're talking, you know, nostalgia, just the whole shebang, Guilty pleasure score, I like to call it. So let's do as a movie. So I'll go first. So overall, as a movie, obviously, you know, The Karate Kid won. I'm on my road to 700 uh, views, which is pretty sweet. I'm on uh, 630, 638. So I'm, I'm getting there. And uh, obviously, the A-plus film, obviously, A-plus, plus, plus. Okay. And then part two is a solid, uh, solid A for me for part two. It used to be like a D minus as a kid because I'm like, this movie's boring, blah, 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 blah. The only thing I like is the ice break scene and the fight at the end. And then as I get older, I'm like, everything's amazing. The score is amazing. Everything's fantastic. So it went from like a D minus to a solid A for me for, for part two. So for part three as an overall movie, I get, I don't know, C minus maybe. Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to get drunk, if you do that thing, you can have a good time with your friends and make fun of it. Uh, overall as a, as a movie, but as a guilty pleasure, um, and it is my favorite guilty pleasure. I, I give it a B plus man, because even though there's some terrible moments, there's some fantastic moments that I mentioned before. And it's, as you said, it's a solid drop off, you know, one and two are the perfect one, two punch. In fact, you can end the series at that point. Just do watch one and two and then go into Cobra Kai, even though part three is referenced, you know, really, if you just wanted to end things, one and two are, are perfect. Even the studio yeah. thinks so, because that's how they released the Blu-ray set was one and two and skip three. But uh, just w- w- the scenes that are, that I love are, are fantastic. So as a guilty pleasure, I give it a B plus. So that's where okay. I'm at. All right, let's see here. Uh, I was I wasn't very uh, a very good student in school, so I'm going to copy your grades. Um, <laughs> no bad joke. Sorry. I mean, hey, we just watched part three here, so it's full of them. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the, the the first movie, I agree with you. Um, it, it's a perfect movie. You know, I'm going to go A plus with the first movie. Uh, the second movie, you know, I love it just as much, but. Um, you know, I don't want to say it's a classic like the first movie, so I can't give it an A plus as well, even though that's how I feel. Um, I'm just gonna give it like, how about go with what you a feel, minus. man? Go with what you uh, feel. Well, I mean, it's an A plus for me for sure. Okay. Um, go with I it, know, man. I know. I I agree. Some people have, you know, they said, oh well, you know, chosen, and you know, there's some people that are just terrible at acting. Uh, you know, B.D. Wong, who makes like a brief appearance, you know, the guy who was in yep. uh, Jurassic World. SVU, He's just like, yeah, you know, come to the, right, right, right. Yeah, he's, you know, his his scene was a little cringeworthy, his delivery, really. <laughs> so, you know what? There's oh, some stuff like that. Oh, you're going to the dance tonight. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> Oof, man, it is not good. Um, yeah, it, I, in my opinion, I think it's another A-plus movie, but I recognize that, um, you know, some of the acting isn't, you know, as good uh, or not good, you know, in comparison to some of the other characters in the first movie. But I think it's funnier, you know, than the first movie as well. You got a lot of great jokes. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I love, you know, and you've seen me talk about this uh, in, the, in the group, but when they first get to Okinawa, they see that picture of Sato, like, chopping a... <laughs> 
big old log. Don't know. And never Daniel's been attacked like, by a tree. <laughs> exactly, man. That's man. Go back and watch part two, guys. It is so funny. Mr. Miyagi has a lot of great funny jokes, um, and just chosen like his. His villain is so different. That that guy is smiling like all the time, so you don't know what he's gonna do. Mike Barnes, you're just like, when's he gonna pop? You know, but with Chosen, he, you're just like, well, he seems pretty happy. And so when he turns bad, and you're just like, oh wow, okay, yeah. this guy's scary. And, and Sato, you know? he's like, no, you fight me, come on, this is the yeah. only way. Yoga win. Oh, so good, man. I and what's great is is his scream instantly goes away afterwards. That's what I love. It's like, oh, Miyagi, we come for forgiveness. Oh, I mean, you you no you know what it is. I mean, he took some cough drop medicine finally. You know, he cleared up his throat. <laughs> he still has the same voice though, because chosen. It's crazy. I was wrong. Hate is wrong. You know, but he his anger though is gone. That's it's like that that moment of forgiveness i mean it's true man forgiveness is is the cleanser of the soul man and and once sato had that the dude his everything changed in him man and it was a hundred percent believable but karate kid 3 isn't really believable but sato man and chosen chosen is just going by you know how he was trained and yeah chosen hates daniel by association really so part two is phenomenal uh, man so part three for me, I mean, I think uh, what you said, C minus, you know, yeah. I think I, th- I think that's fair because I, you know, I just rewatched it, but that's because I was prepping for an interview. I I don't know if I'll ever be in the mood to like, you know, I, I want to watch part three. Uh, and I think I said in my review, like, you know, if it was on, you know, maybe I'll catch it or something like that. But I'm pretty sure I will never be in a mood just to throw on three <laughs> unless I, I need to watch it for something. Okay. Right. Right. So I think C minus is fair for that. There's still a lot of things to like, you know, you still got Mr. Miyagi continuing. Um, I think is still maybe not the strongest of performances, but I, I'm chalking that up to the writing. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I feel everybody, even Ralph Macchio, who a lot of people don't like in this movie i feel they're doing the best they can with the material so i don't think it's fair to them it's it's the writing man and i already said like at the top of the show that this was nominated for like worst script for the razzie you know yeah so i think c minus is good in terms of like a guilty pleasure now uh you you have to assume that i enjoy watching this first and foremost (laughs) so giving you the yeah give it a guilty pleasure score just to give it something you know i think what would you say b plus i I think that's fine you know if i dismiss the fact that um um jessica is just a platonic friendship uh the fact that terry silver is a cartoon and uh and mike barnes is just straight up a villain you know there's like no good qualities it's 1989 folks you know so uh being a podcaster you can't help but get overly critical sometimes um you know because often we watch a lot of great movies and and then we have bad ones too so uh it's really hard to kind of balance the, the the criticism um so you know three not the worst movie out there. It's fine. But, uh, you know, clearly people love it because there's Cobra Kai in it. Yeah. And you know me. I always try to find uh, the the goodness in all the trash. And unless you're Puppet Master, that's just a piece of stuff. <laughs> oh, man, I remember writing a review for that. I'm like, what is this that we're watching? Dude, uh, that, there was some creepy stuff. That's but, the ugh. only episode that I flat out destroyed a movie was my... Uh, was my Chucky and Puppet Master uh, episode. 
I think that's. The- I felt bad because um, wasn't that John the Mailman's like uh, recommendation or suggestion or something? Uh, like that? I think it was Anthony. Uh, I think, oh, okay, yeah. But you know, we were all like kind of crapping in the review, like in in the review I sent, and then your review of the movie. Yeah. And I remember somebody <laughs> was just all like, "Well, damn, you know, I liked it." <laughs> Everybody's like, you know, Mike. Every time Mike's never. Whenever Mike reviews a movie, it's never bad, right? Well, if you want to hear me review a movie that's bad, go watch, go listen to my Puppet Master one. I think that's the only one I legitimately got pissed off on. What you know in that review? Oh, it was it was a slog, man. I felt like I had to crawl through that movie. I was just like, I couldn't wait for it to be over. So terrible. The production value, it was oof, man. It was definitely one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I think I, I think at that point I was doing five stars, and I gave that a not even a half star. I think I think it was half star, yeah. That's fair. You know, the half star is for all the hard work people put into it. Yeah. Just because it's a bad movie, that's not on them. Well, it it is. <laughs> I mean, I I gave that to because there's only the only movies I've hated in life are um, Rob Zombie's Halloween or Rob Zombie's H two, Rob Zombie's Halloween, um, Puppet Master, and House Party two. Those are the movies that I hate more than anything on this planet. So, you hate House Party two? Yeah, dude, you've heard well, me for I mean, years, bitch, on that movie. I hate that. I don't really remember. It's so terrible. Everything sucks. There's not one good thing in that movie. It's. I haven't seen it for a long time. Is that the pajama party? Yeah, it's completely, uh, complete, utter trash. Utter trash. That movie sucks so bad. To be to be fair, I haven't seen it in a really long time. So (sighs) So yeah, I'll I'll have to revisit one day because I I don't remember disliking it. F minus. But I definitely saw Class Act and yes. House Party a lot more. House, so. Class Act is great. House Party is great. And then you make part two and everything sucks. Complete reversal. of par- Ugh. Ugh. It makes me angry thinking okay. about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All well, right. let's wrap this up so you so you don't like go ape, ape shit exactly. on Dan or something. <laughs> All right, sir. So uh, that's it for our review. Uh, now, we don't have any emails because this was a special episode. We're supposed to be in the STL Oktoberfest, but you know what? It's a special occasion, and uh, me and you, we don't get together much, so I had to I had to get this out there. So I don't have any emails, didn't announce it, but uh, let's roll into uh, the music spotlight. I will pray, breaking free, coming alive. I broke these chains, never be afraid to live my life. Break, breaking free, one last time, no matter what. All right, sir. So the music spotlight, this is a good time. So you, of course, are my biggest supporter of the STL Underground Hour. Now, uh, if your listeners are checking out this, just so y'all know, uh, Peter's got, you know, rules he has to follow versus me. I have other rules that I have I don't have to follow because I'm low key. So so they're not rules. Yeah, they're, they're not <laughs> rules. So I I'm known for playing full songs. And uh, I actually do hour-long shows of playing multiple tunes with uh, – that's why it's called the STL Underground Hour. So, you know, 
y'all don't report me to the FCC and all that good stuff because, you know. Yes, it's, uh, it's underground. It's, all, it's underground. That's why it's called the Underground Hour. So uh, if you're new to this, uh, I always do a music spotlight. So uh, my girl is back, uh, Avril Lavigne. She's not dead. She's returned. I'm super pumped and excited. And, uh, you know, she, she's been dealing with Lyme disease. And uh, I'm telling you, man, you know, I just did my uh my top five songs so far 2018 but uh i gotta go with uh, her new single head above water it's fantastic it's a slow song and you know me i don't dig slow songs but this song is freaking great i love the video i just love having avril back she kills it in this song and uh and it's really awesome because my wife has a chronic disease that we deal with every day and so is my daughter. And uh, it, it's and that's a lot of reasons why I'm not podcasting as much anymore. Family life is getting pretty crazy. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I've been on a roll these past couple of months. And then all of a sudden I kind of took a dive and didn't do any podcasts. So it, it really just really depends, man, on, on how the days and it's a it's a day by day thing in my in my household with uh, with yeah. these diseases. So um, this is, uh, you know, props to. You know, this one's dedicated to my wife, so that's why I got to play this one. So, and and she just had a birthday recently. Yes, yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, sir, um, I want to thank you, sir, for for coming on. Now, uh, for those of you who may not know, you can be found on the webs, Cobra Kai, anything. But why don't you tell the folks where they can get a hold of you at? Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, thank you for coming or for having me come on and uh, do Credit Kid Part 3. You know, um, listening back to my review, you know, yeah, we were super critical of it. But now after having done Cobra Kai and all the interviews I've done, uh, I thought it was kind of nice to kind of come back and revisit uh, the movie yeah. and see if anything changed. So thank you for that. Um, That's why but I yeah, if you guys, on, so yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, appreciate it, man. Um, so if anybody wants to check out like the Cobra Kai stuff that we do, uh, check out the group page. I already mentioned it. Um, www period Cobra Kai period TVA and B group. You spell out the words period. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Cobra Kai Pod on Instagram, Cobra Kai Podcast. So there is a distinction because somebody else has Cobra Kai Podcast on Twitter. <laughs> and it's funny because he's been tagged and that's how he found my show. And then he listened to it. He's like, oh my God, this is good. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I'm all over the social media. So join our group if you've seen the show. Uh, we got Robert in there as well, uh, you know, one of the uh, STL members. Um, Robert? So no, yeah, Robert. it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you got that big news. Yep. And, you know, for anybody that's listened to STL for a really long time, you know, you guys probably do recognize me as Time Traveling Peter. So we have a little bit of announcement at home ourselves, but uh, I am expecting my fourth child. Oh, my gosh. You're, dude, you, you're making... You're going to have five kids to feed, man. You're going to be like, you know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll have five. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, son. Hey, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah, so it's going to be a little girl. Um, it's my fourth, my wife's second. Uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty excited. So, you know, um, for anybody that, you know, listens to Paul Stagic, that's the reason why I haven't really put anything out uh, is because, you know, I've been doing all the Cobra Kai stuff, but then all the family stuff behind closed doors. Heck so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I'm sure people understand why we put things out, Mike. So if you got family stuff, hey, that comes first. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, congratulations, man. Uh, you know, baby making is fun for sure. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking of announcements, uh, I got an announcement myself. So. Uh, you you have a new baby. Yeah, I got a new baby. It's called a new podcast. So, uh, yeah, got a new podcast that I'm working on. And uh, it's a Night Rider podcast. And uh, which is weird because here I am saying, oh, you know, I'm I'm barely doing STL, but this is kind of a passion project of mine that uh, I've been wanting to do for a long time. As you guys know, I used to host a Night Rider podcast called The Shadowy Flight. Uh, well, Jason from Flix Podcast, uh, that was his show. And then he got to the point where he couldn't do it and then asked me if I wanted to take over. And I did. It was fun. It was fantastic. And then life got in the way. And unfortunately, uh, the show kind of had to go down the wayside. So um, I asked for his blessing. And thank you, Jason, so much for giving that to me because I was like, dude, I don't want to do a Night Rider podcast without your blessing. And uh, I'm basically going to try to pick up where I left off, but do some new stuff. And I got a co-host who is actual friends with David Hasselhoff. So it's going to make the show content ridiculously crazy. He's got the most amazing career. This guy's like my long lost friend. He's the biggest Karate Kid fan I know, the biggest Knight Rider fan I know, and the biggest wrestling fan I know. So uh, his name is Robert Knight Rider. Uh, well, that'll, that'll be his, co- his co-host name, if you will. Uh, those in the STL know who his real name is, but we won't give it out mm-hmm. on the air. And uh, I'm super pumped for this. So that should be coming out sooner than later. And uh, I'll be inviting certain people to the group and page before it's ever released. So maybe you'll get the special invitation. But be on the lookout for that. I'll announce that as soon as the first episode is live. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's not going to be going in, in chronological order. It's going to be uh, our favorite episodes. This is the episode getting reviewed this week. So yeah, it, that, I, I think it's funny that you mentioned uh, like uh, a group and you know uh, wait for that special invitation because somebody might not get like the special invitation, <laughs> but they know about the group. <laughs> so you know, you just put yourself out there. So if you don't get one, guys, you're not special. <laughs> it's basically what Mike's telling you. Oh, why you gotta be a dick like that? <laughs> you know, hey, you said it. You know, I'm just voicing it. Oh. So I don't know if you heard yourself. Oh. You said that. I was like, hey, wait, wait, why are you telling them about the group page? Because there's people you probably won't invite. <laughs> <laughs> that's true i got certain people on my list i'm like nope you don't get an invitation yeah. you don't get an invitation that's so not- if somebody ever reaches out you're like oh i i sent you one to just i did you know look look, look in your spam yeah, folder you like- <laughs> <laughs> there's a spam folder on facebook uh, yeah, yeah yeah you just gotta look for yeah, it yeah man did you know oh you don't have it no more damn facebook update must have removed it <sighs> yeah yeah you know you know those oh, well. updates. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. And you know what? I'm keeping all this in, too. So it's good stuff. Yeah, hey, sure. Why not? Heck yeah. So, uh, yeah, be on the lookout for that. So, sir, uh, you and I, we're going to get together again because um, yes. uh, we're going to do some uh, some STL horror stuff. Obviously, this is the Oktoberfest, and this should be a horror movie, but it's not. Uh, we're going to get together again soon, and we're going to do some Jason Lives from Friday 13th. I know I said I was going to review the whole series with Tabby, but you know what? I'm watching horror movies every day, man, and uh, and and Peter here has never done a Jason movie, even though he's going to do some time down the road with Tom. I know they talked about that after Nightmare on Elm Street's uh, review retrospective, which was super fun to listen to, by the way. Um, Thank you. But you checked it out, so I can't wait to get your perspective, even though uh, we're out of time now, literally, so we can't record that episode, but we'll try to get to that ASAP. 
And uh, yeah, that'll be fun. It, it'll, it'll be interesting because I'm jumping straight to number six. You know, yes. I've seen the first one, and I don't know which of the other ones I've actually seen. Well, I know I've seen like everything past 2003. Um, you know, I think I've seen Jason 10. Yeah, I've seen Jason 10 Ooh. or X rather. That one's awesome. Um, Jason yeah, Space. This, yeah, so the stuff in between one and six, I can't say that I have. Uh, but a little teaser for Podstalgic, we, we do plan to do some of the Jimmy uh, Lee Curtis Halloween movies, uh, excluding Resurrection, I think it is, Thank that you. we're not doing. Thank yeah, you. so Tom agrees with you that that's like the worst one. So we're going to do like two, um, the, um, the, the reboot sequel or whatever. Yeah, H2O. one, two, H2O. But obviously in two weeks we have the sequel to part one, which is going to murder Right, that's, that's what I'm referring yeah. to, yeah. I think she's in five of them, but we're only doing four of yeah. them. So keep a lookout for those Halloween movies. 89% and I'm, are on Tomatoes too, so. Oh, no, hey, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm usually a, a completist, but, you know, the Halloween movies being so many of them, I can't do that in one month. Yeah. Um, I just don't have the time. Yeah, so you only got to watch one. One, two, H2O, and then the new movie. So Because the new movie wipes right. the whole timeline anyways. So it doesn't yeah. matter. Th- that'll be interesting if they, you know, they retcon anything, like set things up for the, you know, the, the later ones. No, nope, they you don't. You know what I mean? The, what they do, though, is um, they throw in scenes from various movies, like the masks in part three, kids are wearing. Or a scene that okay. happens in five happens in this movie. So it the timeline is wiped out, but all the other movies scenes will appear in the movie as a wink and a nod to the fans of the series. Okay. That's all yeah. you need to know is that you only need to watch part one and then go into this because it picks up literally from the first movie. So the the whole part two, Jamie and him are brother and sister, that's all gone. That that doesn't exist anymore. So that's retconned out. So all right. Everything, everything is. It's just Jamie Lee Curtis is basically uh, Linda Hamilton from T two. She's the terminate. She's you know prepping for the war that she knows is coming. So, oh yeah, excited for that. Heck yeah. The eighties are coming back, folks. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. I I had a blast, and uh, I'm looking forward to us getting back together again to do some horror movies and. Uh, And whatever the future holds, man. So good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have a good one. Take care. Masunasau. I've got to keep the calm before the storm. I don't want less. I don't want more. Must bar the windows and the doors. Keep me safe to keep me warm. Yeah, my life is what I'm fighting for. Can't part the sea, can't reach the shore. And my voice becomes the driving force. I won't let this pull me over. Pull me up from down
I'm a little rusty. I haven't podcasted in like six months. Man, it's like riding a bike. <laughs> it's like riding a bike. Okay. All right, I got my page up, and I got my finger on the record button, just waiting for you to count down on go. All right. Uh, well, uh, three, two, one. So there you go. Welcome to Sweep Play Podcast. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> on go, man. Three, two, one, go. Three, <laughs> two, one, fast, go. But... Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a little fast for me. I, th- I thought this was like, uh, you know, uh, Lethal Weapon. Three, two, and then we go out one. Or no, that's, do we that's, go like, go? Um, that's like Scary Movie 4, you know, when he's trying to open up the door and keeps locking the door. Yeah. I'll have to share that clip with you. Okay, all right, on go. Do it again. All right. Three, two, one, go.